Welcome to the Crossing Church Podcast. This week, our Plant City Campus Pastor, Michael Pippin, kicks off our series of the 90-Day Tithe Challenge with a message called Life of Generosity. We hope you enjoy this weekend's message. What's up, everybody? You doing good? Can y'all send a big shout out to all of our campuses, South Shore, Plant City. What's up, guys? Got our family down there getting it. And I am so excited to be here, and I'm so glad that Pastor Greg uh, and Pastor Tamara allowed me to come and deliver the word today. And so if you would, just give them some love as well. Yes, we love our pastors. Well, I wanted to get into this message today, and uh, we're actually going to be talking about generosity. And sometimes when you talk about money, it can prick your heart in a hard way. And so the Lord was, was clear to me when, when I began to prep this. He wanted us to read this scripture first before I got into it and pray this prayer together. And so would you humor me in this? Would you allow uh, this prayer to, to, to go forth in your heart? Yeah? Okay, I got three people. We're going to do this thing then. There'll be three of us set free in here. Uh, now, Matthew 6, 24 tells us that, uh, that no one can serve two masters. He's, he's pretty clear. He says, you're going to hate one, you're going to love the other. You're going to despise one, and, and you'll be devoted to the other. And, and so you cannot serve both God and money. And so if today, if, if in this message your response in your heart is, um, is rough or it pricks you at the point uh, the mention of money or giving, it's a sign. It's a sign to which one of the gods is driving you right now in this moment. And so what we want to do is, is block all of that. Okay? So won't y'all repeat after me. Repeat this prayer like you mean it. Say, Father, I repent of placing anything in the position that is reserved for you alone. I submit my desires, my wants, and my dreams to yours in the authority that you have given me. I shut the mouth of every enemy that would attempt to turn off my heart and my mind to your voice. It's good. I receive what you're saying today. Because it is for me. Give me open ears to hear your truth. Open eyes to see you moving. Speak to me today. And I'll give you all the glory in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Come on, can we give God a praise for setting the atmosphere? Yes, Lord. I want to uh, jump into this. I, I, was, I was thinking about it, and, and that scripture kind of reminded me of the fact that me and my wife have an ongoing argument. I know no one else here has ongoing arguments, but me and my wife occasionally will have an ongoing argument. And we actually agree that, that nearly every relationship, there is a giver and there is a taker. What we disagree on is which one of us is the giver and which one is the taker. Well, and to be clear, my wife is pretty confident 
that she knows exactly which one I am. But because I have the microphone, I'm the giver. <laughs> if I'm completely honest, I have to confess that uh, I am often the taker in that relationship. And, and so I just want anyone, anyone else to, to just participate with me right here. If you would just be honest with yourself for a minute. Everyone watching at all of our campuses, I want you to join in with me. And, uh, and so I want you to raise your hand if you are the giver in your relationship. Raise your hand if you're the giver. Okay. All right. All right. Raise your hand if you are the taker. Okay. All right. I just started a bunch of marriage problems. That's what I did just then. You saw that? I'm trying to promote re-engage. So if you need marriage counseling, guys, we have, <laughs> I saw y'all. Some of y'all was like, you better not raise your hand, forgive her. That's all I know right now. So now it's um, a couple years ago, the Lord impressed on me. He spoke to me very clearly and he said, I want you to uh, buy your wife. I want you to give your wife a gift every month for a year. And I mean, I had, you know, like a gift gift, like I had to wrap it and everything like present it to her. I, I was, you, you know, when a man's wrapped a gift too, when you look at it and just it's like that fall off the truck or how did that end up in that condition? Uh, but that's, that's what he told me to do. And, and, uh, and so I was, I struggled with it at first as I was like, uh, with my ADD, Lord, I, I can't do something for 12 minutes, um, much less 12 months. You want me to stick with this, you know? And, and, uh, but luckily the Lord sent to me the prophet Amazon. And and I began to operate in the gift of prime. It was operate freely in the gifts. And, uh, and so after just a couple months of this, I learned this truth about myself. I love giving. I love giving. I just hate shopping. That was the truth. That was the revelation that I got. That might not be deep for you. That was deep for me because I thought I was stingy this whole time. Turns out I love giving. I just hate the mall. Right? So the mall is, my wife knows that the mall is my kryptonite. So if she's going to take me to the mall, it better be to a place that has a husband chair. Y'all know, y'all know about a husband chair, right? That's the smartest thing a business has ever done. They're like, if we're going to keep this guy around long enough for her to buy some stuff, we've got to give him a chair to sit in. So she can only take me into stores that have husband chairs. But the truth is that in each of us, there is a giver and a taker. There's a giver and a taker at work in all of us. And another way to phrase that might be to say there is an internal struggle between generosity and greed. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it tells us that to remember this, who ever sows sparingly. Now that word sparingly means stingy. Y'all know some stingy people? Point at them right now. Point at them. No, I'm just kidding. Don't point. <laughs> some people are like, I brought them. They're here. <laughs> Again, re-engage is a beautiful opportunity 
for you to. So, so you know, there, 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 are, there are people who sow stingily, greedily, right? And so whoever sows stingily or sparingly will reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will reap generously. Uh, I just, it took me back. It reminded me whenever um, I was growing up. We grew up on a, on a farm in, in the beautiful land of Plant City, it is where the Lord lives, by the way. <laughs> Ain't that right, Plant City? Come on, let me hear you. Yeehaw, let's do it. It is where the Lord lives. And so while me and the Lord were fellowshipping, um, actually, we grew up so on a strawberry farm, and, and, and so in the winter, we grow strawberries. But, but in the summer, we would, everybody kind of have to have another crop to grow. And so our crop mainly was bell peppers, and we were good at it. We were really good bell pepper farmers. And, uh, and in fact, at one point, uh, we were the only farm in America with bell peppers because a hurricane came through and, and the Lord had given, actually given my father some insight and gave him a way of doing farming that no one else was doing. He gave him an idea. Come on, I'm going to get to this in a minute. This is going to be good. This is, uh, he blessing me right now. I don't even know what's... And so, so he gave him a vision for how to stake and take care of bell pepper plants because bell pepper plants grow tall and flimsy and they'll snap over with just a gentle breeze. And so, uh, so he found a way and everybody was laughing at him because this idea was so ludicrous. But when that hurricane came through that year, it came right across our area, wiped out every farm except ours. Let me say it like this. When you're the only people growing a particular product, you make a lot of money. <laughs> Everybody got a new truck that year. We all got new pools. We was living like the Beverly Hillbillies. We was getting it. We was, some of y'all are too young. You don't even know you're like Beverly Hillbillies. I don't even, they don't have hillbillies in Beverly Hills. And so uh, we were on the farm one day. I walked into the barn one summer and I saw a bunch of bell peppers that we had not taken to market. And I, and I asked my dad, I said, hey, uh, why do we have all these peppers here? Why, why, why didn't they go, go to market? And he said, I tell you what, come on over here and sit down, which, which meant he was about to put me to work. And so, uh, so he said, we're going we're gonna to open up these pods. Okay, I want you to pop open these pods and I want you to pull out all the seeds. And so I would crack open these pods and inside these pods are hundreds of seeds, hundreds of seeds. And so what I learned in that moment was that you don't eat your seeds. Now, we could have easily taken all of those to market. We could have easily taken all of those peppers and sold them. But that would have meant next year there would have been no harvest. And some of us have lived a life of consuming all of our pods and leaving no seed. You don't eat your seed. Look at your spouse and say, you don't have to eat everything. 
Again, re-engage is every Thursday. Just forward slash re-engage. All right. Uh, the harvest of my life is directly proportionate to how generous I am with my seed. The amount of harvest I make is dependent on the amount of seed I sow. All right. So the problem with the monster of greed is that this particular monster will eat all, it cannot be satisfied, never satisfied. It, in fact, once it has devoured the harvest, it will devour the seed. And after it's devoured the seed, it will devour you because it cannot be satisfied. Galatians 6 and 8 says it like this, whoever sows to please the flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. And whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. And the amount with which I'm generous with my seed is in direct correlation to the way in which my harvest comes. It goes on to say this, each of you, it tells you how to give. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. So that means you, you, you choose what's in the storehouse of your heart, what you've placed in there. Out of your heart, you decide to give. And your heart is your mind, will, and emotions. And, and so he says, not reluctantly, that means like sad or, or as if you're in mourning, but, but, uh, and not under compulsion, which literally means a bent arm. Like your arm is like, hey, you twisted my arm. Anybody ever felt that manipulation before? Can we, wait, can we be honest? Has anyone ever felt manipulated to give before? Anybody ever felt worked before? Well, God says this, I don't want that. That's not an offering to me. When you feel worked and manipulated, don't give. That is not an offering to the Lord. What he's looking for is the kind of offering that comes from a heart that is cheerful. He says, I, I love a cheerful giver. You see, because generosity is not a budget issue. It is a heart issue. And God is looking for a cheerful heart. The word cheerful means hilarious. In fact, it's hilarious that I'm giving this right now. It's crazy. It don't make any sense. But God is speaking and moving, and I'm responding with joy to the opportunity. There's a couple recent studies that have been done that have found that, that uh, those who uh, use money to benefit others are happier. Physiologically, there's a connection. They're happier than those that don't. In fact, they did a bunch of brain scans. Just the thought of giving an, uh, uh, something to someone else sparked a part of the brain that is connected to our enjoyment center and it made that part come alive on the scan. A physical reaction to just the thought of blessing somebody else. There was another group in the test who decided to keep the blessing for themselves. And in their scans, their brain did not light up. That's because selfish people are brain dead. 
That's what what I learned from the study. I don't know. I'm not a scientist, though. So there's conditions for a generous heart, and they are first that you have to decide to give. Generosity is a response to God's challenge. You, You have to give with the right motive because generosity is a lifestyle of worship. And you have to give from a place of joy because generosity is life-giving. And, and it goes on to, to read like this in verse 8. And God, who is able to bless you abundantly, say abundantly, everybody, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched. Listen, not rich, enriched. You will be enriched. In every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion. He enriches you so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. There is an end result to your generosity. And it is sometimes not noticeable at the moment of interaction. Why would I be giving this waitress money? Don't make no sense to me right now. Why am I cutting her a check for $100? I don't, what, you, what are you even talking about? None of this even makes sense. But the point of it is that when we sow seed, it brings thanksgiving to the Lord. Because the moment that I exchange my seed into soil, that becomes a moment I say, God, this is a trust and a faith in you because it come from you in the first place. I'm giving it back to you and I'm expecting a harvest from this. My, uh, my in-laws, I have, have a brother and sister-in-law that are, that are uh, ministers. They, they, they actually pastor a church in Dallas now, but, but they were evangelizing for years. They were traveling around all over the country, uh, sharing, sharing the gospel and, and ministering. And, and so they didn't have a lot. They didn't have a lot of money, and, and they had an old beat-up vehicle they were trying to roll around in, and God was just sending them all over the place. And so for two years, they had been praying, God, send us this van. We want a van. We want one of those pimped out traveling vans. Did I say pimped out in church? I just did. And they want, they want one of those vans that are, you know, set up, you know. And, and so uh, they, they've been praying for that. They didn't tell nobody about it. They just started praying, seeking God. And, and then he, he went and preached somewhere. And as he was ministering, they took up an offering for him. And, and that night while he was in his hotel, he, he heard the Lord say to him, Someone has moved a portion of your offering that, was, that I intended for you. They, they put it somewhere else because they didn't think you, you needed it. And he was like, well, what am I supposed to do with that, Jesus? And so he went back the next day and he was sitting down in the pastor's office and, and he said, I, I don't know how to tell you this, but God told me that someone moved part of the offering that was intended for me and and put it somewhere else. I I don't know what to do with that. It's just what I heard. And he said, well, that'd be easy to figure out. He said, let me just look at the books real quick. And he he looked at the the books and sure enough, one of the deacons 
had moved $3,000 to another area of ministry that he thought that money should go to. The evangelists don't need it. The man of God don't need it. Let's just move it over here because that, that's where I think it needs to go. And when you start messing with money, things get funny. And so, uh, so he said, the pastor said, sure enough, there's $3,000 that was supposed to go to you. And, and it was moved over to another department. And listen, how do you, how do you want to handle this? Do you want me to bring him in? We'll call him in right now. We'll, uh, we'll, will you bring that judgment down on him? Let, you know, if it was me, I might've been like, yep, get my gun. We're going to bring this thing. To, we're going we're gonna to make sure he learns a, a valuable lesson. Well, we got to, we got to chastise him in the name of Jesus. Right? And, and uh, gather everybody, get the stones together. Everybody gather a stone, pick a stone up, everybody. It's the Bible, we got to, you know. And, uh, and so he, but he didn't do that. <laughs> he probably had more Jesus than I have. So he, he just said, he said, you know what, uh, pastor? He said, no, don't do anything. Don't even, don't even talk about it again. In fact, what I want you to do is I want you to keep that and, and I'm going to call it a tithe. So I'm tithing. This is what I feel. I just, I'm tithing to your ministry right here. I just, just keep that. Okay. So about a month later, just a couple weeks later, uh, someone came up to my brother and sister-in-law and they said, you know what? We want to, to buy you a van. God told us to get you a van. And so he said, come on down to the dealership. They went down there and, and they walked in with cash. And this guy said, uh, hey, I want to buy these guys a van. And they picked out the van they wanted. It was, it was a, a beautiful. I mean, it was exactly, it had everything. It was, it was all decked out, had all the features. And, and they, he, originally this van was 40000 but they said, well, whenever you, you uh, pay with cash, we're going to knock about ten grand off. So this is a $30,000 van. Now, you know this has been a couple minutes because you can't get nothing for 30000 Like... <laughs> You, you get it now, it'd be like, crank window. Yeah. Yeah. Ain't no radio. You got to play from your phone. Like, you know. And some of y'all are too young. You don't even know what this means. Y'all just. Y'all are like, I don't understand. What is. Is he bowling? What, what is happening right now? What is, what is this? It's called a window. There was a, anyway, you just look it up. Google it. All right. And, and, so, and so he got this, this $30,000 van uh, paid for, boom, blessed them. They were able to travel around, do ministry. It was, it was amazing. And as he was driving away, uh, he was thanking God for it. And God said, how much is 10% of 30000 He said, oh, it's 3000 And he, he said, if you had not sold that tithe, because you sold the tithe and didn't seek judgment, but instead you sought to bless, I'm able to pull back the heavens and pour out blessings in your moment. And God's able to bless you abundantly in all things, in all times, having all that you need so that you can abound in every good work. God's got a purpose to your blessing and he's looking for an opportunity to pour it out in your life. And, and I was reading this from Malachi. It's a very popular scripture that we use for, for uh, when we're talking about tithing and, and offerings. And, and 
So understand that tithing is 10%. That's what the word means. It just means 10%. So tithing is 10% of what comes in, and that is your beginning. There are, there are three levels of giving inside the body, and one is tithing. That is your base uh, giving. And then there next is offerings. And then there are extravagant offerings. Okay, these are special callings that God puts on you to give. Um, that are, that are more than, than normal. And, and so these, these moments, like the, these, these things, these are tithes and offerings, okay, that we give. And that's, that's what those terms mean if you've never heard them before. Um, and, and, so, and so with that, listen, he says in Malachi, ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. And he says, so return to me and I'll return to you. And then he said, but you ask, how do we return? How are we to return to you, Lord? And he, he goes into this. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you asked, how are we robbing you? He said, in tithes and offerings. This is powerful. This is a powerful revelation that I caught when I was prepping for this message. I'd never seen it like this before. He said, you are under a curse your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Now, he asked two questions here. He said, will a mere mortal rob God? And I thought about it. How can I possibly rob God? He owns everything. If I take it, it's still his. I don't get to take something from him and put it away and, and, and act like, no, I don't, you didn't see that. This jacket is invisible to Jesus. He sees it all. He has it all, right? And, and so he, he owns it all. Uh, he's, the earth is his and the fullness thereof, the word says. He, he, it's all his. And, and so he, how do you, he don't need your money. He ain't interested in your money. He, when he wanted to pour out supply, he would just send manna. He would, he would send quail. He would, he would provide the resources that he needs to do the ministry he needs to do. And, and he is not interested in your money. He's interested in your heart. He's interested in your worship. He's interested in being number one in your life. And so he says, how do you rob me in tithes and in offerings? Because you are under a curse. So I got to thinking about this. What is the curse. And in Genesis chapter three, we see it because it reads like this to Adam. He said, because you listened to your wife, <laughs> see, Julie, Julie, I'm just trying to keep us out from under a curse. Just, it's terrible. That's how pastors do. They just read part of it. Because you listen to your wife, there's a curse. Because you listen to your wife and ate the fruit from the tree, which I commanded you, you must not eat from. Cursed is the ground because of you. So a curse enters. Up until that point, they were living high on the hog, as we say in Plant City. They was eating Fred's buffet every day. They wake up in the morning, 
It was breakfast buffet. There's eggs and a hash brown with the cheese on top. You ever had that hash brown with the cheese on top? And like six inches of cheese and half an inch of, of hash brown. Y'all need Jesus. You ain't never had none of the... That's fried chicken, collard greens, just... Oh, y'all act like you don't know what I'm talking about. That, I get to heaven, it's this house, that's how it's going to be in my house. We're going to be like fried chicken. You know, Jesus said, eat all the chicken you want, all the fried chicken. I'd be like, that's what got me here, Jesus. <laughs> I'm happy, happy to be here, Lord. Thank you. Uh, but cursed is the ground because of you uh, through painful toil. You'll eat from it. And he says, it'll produce thorns and thistles for you, but you're going to eat from it. And, and by the sweat of your brow, you will eat from it. You see, there is a curse that lands upon the earth, and it is a diminishment curse. Everything, the enemy is constantly trying to pull seed out from your bounty and limit you, right? Because he knows if you have seed to sow, and if you turn that over to the Lord, there's no limit to you. You, can, you are unstoppable. You will constantly live in a place of harvest. And, and, and it doesn't mean that life doesn't, doesn't come with problems, but it means that you're under his covering. And just like Job, he was looking around like, if it wasn't for your covering, I would tear that man up right now. And so he's constantly trying to keep you out from under the Lord's covering. And because we have this curse, we get the promise that, listen, if you set me first in your life, if you can worship me with the things that control your heart the most, if you will bring me first, you will make me first in your life, then I will bring you out from under a curse because here's the promise that happens. He said, test me in this. In Malachi, test me in this and see if I don't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing on you, you don't have room enough to store. He says, I'll prevent the pests from devouring your crops. The vines will, will not drop their fruit before their time. He says, uh, uh, the nations will call you blessed because they'll look at you and be like, that is a delightful land. Their land ain't like our land. Their land is producing. That is a delightful land. But it happens when we test God in our faithfulness, in our giving. Amen. When we come from a generous heart, we pour out at his word. He tests, tests us in this. And he said, see if I don't open the floodgates of heaven. And that word floodgates, I began to just think about this word is incredible. When did this word first enter? Floodgates of heaven. It actually entered in 2 Kings chapter 7. In 2 Kings chapter 7, it tells the story. It says Elijah uh, was there, and, and he said, and it began to come out. There was a famine in the land. There was a famine in, inside the city. And I mean, it was so bad that, that uh, they were selling everything was super inflated, right? All the prices were so high, kind of like oil right now, right? right just, just through the roof. And so prices were so escalated, and, and because there was no access to food. Food was the most expensive thing in the world. In fact, it got so bad that people were eating their kids. Food, yeah, terrible. 
Like, hang on a minute. I thought this was the Bible. It is the Bible. Just read it. Second Kings chapter seven. And, and, and they were in this desperate place because the enemy was outside. There was famine in the city and the enemy was outside knocking on the door. And so Elisha gets a word from the Lord. He said, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says about this time tomorrow that a sayah of your finest flour will sell for a shekel and two sayahs of barley for, for a shekel. In other words, you're going to be paying pennies for this stuff. It's going to be super cheap. Your food is going to be, going to be don't, I know you're starving right now, but just this time tomorrow, your food will be so cheap. And, and, and uh, the officer who, whose arm the king was leaning on, who's at, at the gate there, he looked up and he said, look, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of heaven, could this happen? And so the prophet of God said, well, you're going to see it, but you're not going to be able to eat of it. Because he was saying in this moment, we're surrounded. There's no opportunity for a blessing. There's no opportunity for God to turn this around. We are lost. This is over. There's no opportunity to bring in resources. We're in a famine. The enemy's at the door. This thing is over. And he said, the only way would be if heaven just opened up and food started falling from the sky, spaghetti falling down, cheeseburgers, everything's just landing. He's going, listen, how ridiculous is this? And God said, wait a minute. You don't know my plans. And right at that moment, God had sent a sound of a chariot army to the enemy outside the gate, and they fled in the night. So these uh, uh, um, leprous men were sitting outside the gate, and they asked themselves, why sit we here till we die? Let's go see if there's any food. And they walk in, they find the camp empty, food still cooking on the stove. They, they got all the gold, all the silver, everything, all the weapons, all the equipment is still right there where they left it. And so, and so they go back and they tell the city, you wouldn't believe going out there. And in fact, the harvest was so great that people trampled that gate guard and killed him on the way out to get the stuff. And within 24 hours, there was such an influx of resource that their food was pennies. Because God is able to open floodgates wherever God wants to open floodgates. God knows what you need when you need it and how you need it. God has the ability to send you provision to meet the needs that are in your life that you don't even know you need. God has this amazing ability to reach past every obstacle and every enemy and pour out favor in a way that blows your mind. You don't have room to even store the provision that I have for you. And all I'm asking is that you trust me with everything. Everything. That is what a heart of generosity is. Because a heart of generosity can only come from one place. It can only come from a heart of gratitude. A heart that says, this is all yours. I am yours. You are mine. Use me as you see fit. You have access to everything in my life. And God says, here's what I want from you. Just give me back 10 and then listen to me when I speak for the rest. 
And he said, when you do that, you pull back the curse and it allows access for me to pour out into your life. It's not a life without problems. It doesn't even mean, remember I said it's not that he pours out riches. It may come in riches. It may come in strength. It may come in health. It may come in that that child you've been praying for gets saved. It may come in that that job opportunity grants favor when there was no favor. It could be that you walk into a moment and God just gives you exactly what it is you need to fulfill his purpose right in that season. That is the provision of God. That's the floodgate. We do something here that I've actually had never seen done at any other churches. It's, it's amazing. I, I love pastor's heart in this because when Malachi tells us to test him in this, pastor was like, well, let's give him a chance to test him. And so uh, pastor began to do this 90 day tithe challenge here. And, and so you got a card when you came in, you could be looking on, online. You, you, you can go to wearecrossing.com forward slash 90 day. At all of our campuses, you'd have got one of these, these cards. But in this process, you have the opportunity to test God. Maybe you've never taken the challenge before. You've never tested God like this. Maybe you've never tithed. And so you're saying, you know what? It's time. It's time for me to trust God with all that I have. And I'm going to take the challenge. And so what we ask is that you just fill out the card and, and then you tithe. That's 10% of what you get. And it seems like a lot, but you'll be amazed at what God does with 90% that's blessed. And so you take that and you begin tithing. And then if you turn that card in, we, we, we in agreement, this is a contract. And we're saying, listen, if God doesn't show up in your life to meet your need the way you need it met, If he doesn't bless you in 90 days, we'll give you all that money back. No risk. Because we believe this. We live it. I live it. Me and my wife have been tithing and giving our whole life. The the top of my budget is tithe. The next one down is offering. I plan on blessing somebody. I start out my day going, here's what I got to pour out into somebody's life. How do you want to use it, Jesus? When you come at God with generosity, he receives it as praise. And so I invite you today, if you want to take this challenge, do it. You'll never regret. You can never outgive God. You can never outpace God. He said, test him in this. So give it a shot. Test the Lord and see what he doesn't do. Plant City, South Shore, test the Lord, see what he doesn't do. Now this might be a moment where you're saying, but I've never even accepted Christ. I've never started the journey with him. Or maybe I have, but man, I've been away from God for so long. I need to come back home. I need to return to him. And this is that moment for you. You feel God nudging your heart. Do not ignore 
the Lord when he's pulling on your heart. When the Holy Spirit is speaking, answer the call. So we're going to ask everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes. And we're going to pray this prayer together all across the room at every campus online. I want you just to say this prayer with me. Say, Father, I recognize that I'm a sinner and I need you. I've tried it on my own and it just doesn't work. I recognize today that you're knocking on my heart and I want to be faithful to answer. So I invite you into my life. Take control. I'm yours. You have all that I am. You have all that I have. I lay it at your feet. I call you king and I call you Lord. You are mine and I am yours forever. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed that message from campus pastor Michael Pippen. Don't forget you can watch all of our messages on demand and our live broadcasts at youtube.com slash crossingchurch. We can't wait to worship with you this weekend. For all times and locations, visit wearecrossing.com.